Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. This is a familiar song. I love hearing that. I've got a great hour planned for you today. Dr. Peter Kapschner is going to be joining me. We're going to continue our salvation series. And we do not have a special guest today, but uh, we do want to talk about what we've learned and where we've been and where we're going and, and some of the responses we've gotten from you, the listener, which has been thrilling. And uh, also, we're, we've got some opportunities for you to give us some questions, too, and then we're also going to give you a little tease about what what we're going to do next. So that's uh, what's the that's the plan for today. Dr. Peter Kapner is on our Skype line. Peter, welcome. Thanks, Bill. Great to be with you in this way. And and gosh, you know, I don't think either one of us uh, figured that we were going to set out and do what did it turn out to be nine, ten, eleven weeks on salvation. Yeah, and we're not entirely done. We've got another uh, one or two episodes to go, but we're going to uh, kind of wrap it up, and we're going to start a new series, and I want to tell our listeners about the new series, and we're going to probably go back to some of our previous Salvation guests to get their take on our next subject, which I'm not going to say yet. <laughs> I think that's super fair, because it, it was quite the cavalcade of guests. Again, you started listing off some people that we felt like it might be helpful to to the listeners to hear from some of these different dimensions of Salvation, and I think a number of those guests would be really good to come back for whatever the next subject's going to be. Well, we started with uh, Dr. Randy Newman, and he was a great first guest, and I remember him giving uh, an illustration on the different facets of of the beautiful diamond of our salvation, and I thought mm. I've never, I've never heard that before. <laughs> but you talk about the the beauty of a shining diamond, and he would talk about things like forgiveness. And First John one nine got my attention because that was the first Bible verse I ever memorized. You know, if right. we confess our sins to God, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Not some, not a little, not most, but all. And I love that. Yeah, it was such a great start with him, wasn't it? Because of what you just said related to the different uh, facets uh, of salvation, that you can look at it from this angle, like a diamond, and you're probably going to see some different colors or hues or textures of it. And then you you maybe spin it around, and and then you see something almost entirely different that maybe you've never seen before. And I think that's part of what uh, we sort of cared about getting into the series when we thought about the listeners and the number of questions listeners have about this topic of salvation. And you know, when you boil it down in the biblical text, if you were sort of to, to, to crawl into the mind of those first century writers when they were talking about the wonder and beauty of the salvation that was possible now in a different way through Jesus Christ, now that he's come and died and was resurrected, that their word for salvation <clears throat> really would have a synonym along the lines of to deliver from and to rescue, and also to begin to heal and to restore. And so when you think of salvation with that being sort of the synonym to be delivered from something and to be rescued and and restored, now this idea of the facets that Randy was talking about, there's so many things about the deliverance that we experience as well as the restoration we can experience in this journey of salvation. So he really got us off to a great start. And then he used the big word propitiation, and I had to kind of go, okay, where's my dictionary? I, look I think you up. expressly banned him from using that word, didn't did. you, at the start I said, of it? No he more, just Randy. went with it anyway. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> but then, you know, to work with words like justification and redemption and reconciliation and eternal life, I mean, if you are 
if you're looking at Christianity, maybe for the first time, these are all brand new words. And it's like, it's really good to lay some foundation and let people know what they mean. You know, it is. And and I think I was just out to dinner with some friends of ours over this last weekend. And we talked about the impact that the, that the thing like the smartphone and Google has had in our lives over these last 13, 14 years that it's really begun to run roughshod and kind of take over the way we get our information. And a lot of that isn't bad, but uh, we have to understand that uh, the information that we get when we just kind of click through our smartphones or, or go on Google is pretty reduced down, pretty culled out information, I, I would uh, call it. And we've both noticed that um, even in our own lives, and, and he's a theology prof and, and I'm a practical theology prof, that even in our own lives that um, we can get dulled and, and we can kind of uh, forget about the wonder and the beauty that can be packed into some of these more words that really are accessible to anybody. You, you don't need to have some fancy degree or anything uh, to get them. They're just they're simple biblical words that to dive into them, I think, really helps people. And, and we forget about the substance that's there if we don't do that work. And again, Newman was great about bringing some of those words and, and, and defining and talking about them. If some of our listeners didn't get a chance to, to hear that episode, I'm assuming they can go back and catch that because it was a great start. It was a great start. And then I remembered uh, Daryl B. Harrison, and the initial B, I know, stands for Bernard because I asked him. Uh, <laughs> and to me, that was you meaningful bet. to find out what the B meant. But he also you know, talked about the battle for our hearts will continue. Uh, it continues until we recognize the, the depth of God's mercy. Mm. And he said, you know, that Satan attacks believers to try to have them uh, feel convinced that their salvation is a matter of their their works. So if they slip up in the slightest bit, you know, maybe their salvation is in question or on the yeah. rocks. I mean, Bill, you've done this radio show for a while now, and you and you regularly take listener questions. And, and how often do you think you get the kind of question that is along the lines of what you just talked about? Did, did I lose my salvation? I'm sort of caught in this sin or, or something along those lines. I mean, you hear that all the time, don't you? Uh, unfortunately, I do. And I, yeah. I would just want to put, you know, the uh, my, my digital arms around people and say, God has God loves you and has forgiven you and you are made perfect in his sight. And, you know, there's nothing you can do that will change how much he loves you. Gosh, you know, you you speak truth in that way, Bill. And and if you figure, Hmm. you know, right, if if Satan is the father of lies, then we just sort of have to assume that all day long there are going to be forces arrayed against us that will cause us to not see the God that we serve and that we love with clarity. And and, and one of those ways is what uh, Daryl talked about, is that belief that somehow we get outside of God's merciful, beautiful presence when we're you know, kind of falling into some sin in our lives. And and clearly, you know, that that is problematic, but our view of God really matters in the midst of that. And and I think Satan would love nothing more than to convince or persuade us that we're somehow beyond the pale or somehow we've lost an incredible gift that was dependent upon God and not upon us and, and all of what he had to say there. Yeah, and Daryl also reminded us, Peter, if you remember this, that just our basic human nature is we'll always want to try to add something to it, you know, whether <laughs> yeah. it's our, our own works or our own effort or, you know, our own ability, you know, to what God has done. And that's another, you know, pathway that says to Satan, uh, you know, the uh, it game on. And we don't want to mm. do that. We don't want to let uh, Satan have any kind of port of entry into our thinking. 
Yeah, no, for sure. I, I, when you're saying that sort of thing about it, it's, you know, all of what God has done, it makes me think about a discipline maybe on a Sabbath day that uh, any one of us could take, again, you or me or our listeners, anybody, that maybe on a Sabbath to just to sit back and rest, but but rest with some intentionality and, and maybe take a Sunday sometime between now and the end of the year to simply rest and dwell on the fact that you are in God's salvation, that you, you can rest in what he has done for you as opposed to trying to add something to it. It. And you and I could have a lot of conversations with, with the different guests that come on the program about the importance of uh, importance of discipleship and following and, and what it means to grow in our faith. But I think sometimes it was really helpful to just simply rest in what God has already done and just sort of take the hand off the plow. And, and I think uh, a lot of those waters that are always in any way that seem stirred up could probably be calmed quite a bit just through that practice. Mm-hmm. Then we had a wonderful discussion with Dr. Ian Paul uh, from Nottingham. I hope I'm saying yeah, that right. Yeah, his accent alone, right? Yeah, yeah his accent that was alone worth it. incredible. Yeah, yeah, it was. And if you remember, these three words that really got our attention, and these three words were a wide open space. Remember that? Mm, I do. I, it, yeah, I don't—help me. What, was he, what he did was, he mean he, by he, that again? Because well, I know he wrote an article on it. Yes, he was talking about salvation as a, a wide open space um, and just how— the, the the promises and the present realities are a, a, just a, a big space. We think that we're going to be more narrow and constricted, but he says no salvation is a wide open space. Mm, so yeah, that was you know I wished yeah. you wouldn't have put me on the spot because <laughs> I don't remember exactly <laughs> what he said, but I, I'm trying to fake my way through it right now. Yeah, no, it's not, but that I think that that does uh, call back to mind, doesn't it? That I remember talking a little bit about how Egypt in the Old Testament book of Exodus is uh, sort of understood within the Hebrew to also be the narrow space, and it's that place where you feel boxed in and hemmed in by your sin, and you don't have any hope or any future, and you just feel like everywhere you look, and in the words of David, like like my sin is ever before me, and so when that salvation or that rest that delivering, it takes us into that wide open space. So I think you're, you're spot on in, in what Ian meant by what he said. It was, but it was clearly a facet of the diamond I had never considered before on this view of salvation. Yeah. And there were some guests that I have to admit, I felt like I was in way over my head, like uh, Dr. Craig Keener, uh, yes. re- really a smart guy. You know, I remember learning that he had written a book on uh, the Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, and the book is... <laughs> 4,500 pages? <laughs> it was something. I haven't read 4,500 pages in my life, <laughs> let alone in one book. Exactly. I, incredible volume of literature. And he is. He, he's, but he was still accessible somehow, wasn't he? Very, he, was, he was able very. to, under, you know, even despite that, it was incredible to have him on. And he was so excited about uh, salvation. He was so excited about people uh, hearing the truth and coming to faith in Christ. And I think that's the one thread that runs through all of our guests. Peter, and it's really fired me up, is that reminder um, of how transforming salvation is, and uh, people who were dead in their sins become alive in Christ. That, and I remember truly, like you said, that that at the end of the day, as much as he pours into his scholarship, Craig Keener, and he really does, uh, probably among the most res- respected scholars in the world today, and yet there was such a softness of his soul when it came to the idea of real people coming to real faith mm-hmm. in a real Jesus. And he just, uh, he was he maybe one of the first that actually you invited to invite people to faith? Because I know that became a staple part of the program, something we both look forward to at the end for people to invite other people to faith. Yeah, I think it's. I think it started. I think it started with Randy because it was my my oh, hope right away from uh, episode one that there would be an invitation for people to come to faith. 
Right, right. I just remember Craig somehow was very sweet and soft about that after this heavy, you know, sort of, wow, this is an amazing look at the text. Suddenly he just turned into another human being following Jesus. You know, right? And inviting other people to do the same. Yeah, Yeah, he just turned into a a, a very accessible, gentle, loving, kind, which is exactly what you should be. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, I got home that day and I said to both my my kids and my wife, I said, you've got to listen to what Keener had to say. It was just (laughs) remarkable today. So, Yeah. yeah. It's been great. Let me take a little break. Dr. Peter Kapsner is my guest. We're talking about our salvation series, and we've got another series coming up. We're very excited about it, but we're not going to tell you what that is until a little bit later in the hour. I love talking about salvation. We've been doing it for eight or nine weeks. Dr. Peter Kapsner and myself started a series, and we just frankly couldn't get enough of it. And we're not completely done with it. We've got a couple, maybe two more weeks to go, but then we're going to start a brand new series. And I just have to say, our uh, um, we've done a nice job here at Faith Radio to kind of assemble all the salvation episodes uh, on the website. So you go to myfaithradio.com and go to my show page or just type in Salvation Series, and they'll all pop up, all these episodes, and which is exactly what I hoped would happen, that maybe you'd take a trip someday and you would just binge listen to all eight or nine episodes. So that was our, our hope and our desire. Or maybe there's one particular episode that you think, you know, I should send this to my Uncle Phil, because he might like this guy. You never know, but we want to make all these available for you to use and to share and to pass along. And uh, Peter, it's been, uh, again, I have learned so much. I have, oh. you know, forgotten most of it, but I learned a lot. <laughs> I mean, it was so delightful to have these guests come in week in and week out. I really, I felt like I was getting taken to school each week listening to them, but it was the kind of school I wanted to go to. It wasn't a school where I was, you know, maybe jumping through hoops to get a grade. It was from people who have really thought uh, in depth. And I'm just going to keep going back to that diamond example you used uh, from Randy Newman that not only were they thinking in depth, but they were each bringing, it seemed like, a different facet of this that not only was I learning, somehow the faith became more real and it became more hopeful as I as I listened to the guests just talk uh, about these things of such substance and depth. And and I think it's also something I know you and I talk about often, the the ability to to have an environment to go a little deeper like this. So I I, I will go back through and listen to the the entire podcast series as it's up and running for sure. It was just they were so good. I know, and I I wanted to try to get people from different walks and places in life, and one of our guests was a pretty outspoken and confirmed atheist for a long time, and that was uh, Lee the Crusher Strobel. Oh man, I I don't know about you, Bill. I'm not super starry eyed all the time by people, but it was it was Lee the Crusher Strobel. It was Strobel, yeah, like Lee said. the Machine I mean, Strobel. Ah, it was remarkable to hear him talk about it, given how much he has, you know, engaged in this topic. And especially, of course, from the evangelism standpoint of sharing our faith, it it was so natural. He made it feel accessible, like we could even do it as well. Yeah. And, you know, he's got that uh, that uh, legal attorney's mind and he uh, has asked so many great questions and he he just had so much solid stuff. He he really did. And that comes from a lifetime of doing it, right? And I think the thing I do remember, going back to what we were just, uh, I was just saying, is that 
he told a story, if I remember correctly, about his first few experiences of trying to share his faith and, and what a disaster it felt like it was for him. Uh, and you're thinking, this is a guy who is a global leader on evangelism that seems like he just walks around sharing his faith all day long. And and he talked about the process of growing into becoming somebody like that with some comfort and then also having the discernment to know when to ask and what to ask and what to say, and and especially to get in relationship with people first, not for just simply the purpose of evangelizing, but simply to be in relationship with people and and let God open windows as God will when the time is right. He was he was very equipping in that way as a way of sharing our faith and salvation. Yeah, he was uh, he was amazing. I thought our time with him was great, and I, I loved hearing you know his place of coming from atheism and being utterly convinced beyond uh, any shadow of any doubt of who Jesus is and what he did and the fact that he is uh, saved and uh, he's eternally secure. It was really a powerful, powerful time with Lee Strobel. It really was. It was great stuff. So uh, let's talk about uh, Jerry Root because uh, Dr. Jerry Root, he is the, in charge of evangelism at uh, at Wheaton for the Billy Graham uh, organization, not the organization, but the Billy Graham Institute. And even he talks about, um, you know, he's he's not great at it. Yeah, you know, talking he about was, faith. Yeah, he just struck me Told as me. such a humble person, right? I mean, he was he was as humble off the air in conversations with us as he was on the air, and it was just, I think he was somebody who's been so captured by God's love, and he has been so um, moved and changed by it that then, with great humility, he just kept saying over and over again, "Any time I can share this gospel in any way, shape, or form with anybody." Uh, I, I'm in. Just just count me in, you guys. Anytime I can do that. But to your point, he didn't always start that way. He he started as uh, again pretty hesitant and and not even sure what or when he should say. So it was one of those those threads among many of our guests that I really appreciated was that they didn't come out of the womb, you know, just sharing the faith with great ver- uh, fervor and passion. They really uh, had to grow into that idea. Mm-hmm. The first I'm thinking of right now. I think is in First Corinthians, uh, to the weak I became weak to win the weak, I've become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. Um, yeah. W- would you talk about that verse a little bit? Or am I catching well, you off guard? Yeah, no, 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 I'm just I'm kind of processing as you're, as you're reading the verse, because I am thinking of Jerry as you read that verse as... Um, I think he cited that verse. That's why it made me think of it. I think he did, too. I think he did, too. When when you become all things to all people so you can save some, uh, I don't know know if I know what that means. Well, I don't know for sure if I know what it means either, but it it is interesting that um, he he talks about weakness going into that. And, And I think there's an ability that God has to use us when we surrender and are weak, and then he begins to give us the discernment and the wisdom in any given circumstance, it being able to interact and talk with anybody, all people at any time. I, I don't think it means that we become chameleons who are fake and false. I think it just simply means that as we acknowledge our weakness, then his surpassing glory begins to shine through us, to use a different Bible verse to that. And, and in that way, 
we sort of are able to do what Philip was able to do in the book of Acts, for example, when he encountered uh, the eunuch and didn't know for sure what to say, and, and yet God gave him voice and wisdom about what to say. But it, beca- it wasn't because Philip or Jerry Root or somebody had this great method of evangelism. They simply knew what it meant to interact with different kinds of people because God's wisdom was available in their lives. Mm-hmm. I remember he told a really powerful story about uh, John M- Muir, who was on a mission trip up in Glacier Bay, like right around the turn of the century. And he had encountered uh, two Indian tribes that had been uh, fighting uh, for some time. And they were basically looking at each other going, if we don't stop fighting uh, and start drying fish and getting ready for the winter, none of us will survive. And one of the uh, uh, tribe leaders said, but you have killed 10 more men. Uh, And the, the leader of the other tribe said, well, I'm worth at least 10 men, so take my life. And he offered mm. his life. I don't know if you remember that story, but it really stuck I with do. me. Because it's like, what a perfect example of atonement. So when John Muir was coming up to talk about the substitutionary uh, sacrifice that Christ made, I mean, you've got a perfect example to share atonement with these uh, with these people. Yeah, it was. I remember actually you and I sitting in studio while he was on, you know, the phone or Skype or whatever he was on telling that story. And you looked over at me and made us mouth. Wow. <laughs> I, we were we were sort of just stunned. Right. By this uh, modern day example of atonement, taking this sort of fancy theological world uh, word and putting it in a real life circumstance. It was it was a breathtaking part of that interview with Jerry, for sure. And I loved it. He talks about, you know, what uh, what does a one-hand clap sound make? And, of course, it doesn't make any sound. And, you know, he's talking about rain and what sound does rain make. Well, rain doesn't make a sound until it hits an umbrella or, or a puddle or, the, or a tin roof. Um, but what sound does grace make? And grace makes a sound when it hits a broken heart or mm. a person who's in pain or when God's grace comes pouring into your life. Uh, that's when you feel grace and you understand it, and it becomes so real to you. Yeah, gosh, it gives me chills when you when you say that a bit because I I once heard somebody say that uh, the definition of mercy is where you don't get something that you do deserve, whereas grace is where you do get something that you don't deserve. It's just it's just pure gift and. And when that grace is lavished upon the broken heart, when when in our brokenness and in our sinfulness and in our struggle uh, and, and in our fallenness, we turn our face back towards uh, to the Lord of heaven and the Lord of earth. And, and what greets us is this incredible gift. We, we get both mercy and grace at the same time. We don't get the judgment that we do deserve. And yet we get this unbelievable gift of a rescuing, deliverance, healing, restoring kind of wholeness, power of salvation that is made possible because of what Jesus did on the cross and, and because he was raised from the dead. And that grace lavished upon us, I mean, it does, it, it breaks the heart in a beautiful way. And yeah, I think that is the kind of thing that humbles us and and, and uh, calls us back to life. Oh, Peter, this has been so fun. I'm just loving it, just thinking about it and, and playing some of these stories back in my head. It just gets me excited all over again. Let me take a little break. And if you've uh, got a question or maybe you heard something during the Salvation Series you'd like to make a comment about, We'd love to hear from you. This hour is about you. Uh, We want to hear how this series maybe has impacted you. Um, I know several listeners have uh, written me and said they've made a decision to to follow Christ as a result of hearing about this. I sent out a number of New Believer Bibles. I still have a few more. If you uh, came to faith in Christ as a result of hearing one of these episodes, uh, we'd love to get one of those New Believer Bibles in your hand. Just email me, bill at myfaithradio.com, bill at myfaithradio.com. 
And we'll be back in just a couple minutes. Talking Salvation, my very favorite subject with Dr. Peter Kapsner. We've been in a Salvation series for eight or nine weeks. We said we'd do the summer series, but it extended into the fall because we were having so much fun. I think we've got one or two left in us, and then we're going to start a brand new series. We're going to tell you about a little bit later in the show. But if you, uh, you know, learned something new or had a new insight from something you heard during the Salvation series and you'd want to just send it over to me in the text form, I'd love to hear what struck you or what uh, what you really liked. Um, 877-933-2484. Haven't heard from anybody yet. That doesn't mean anything because Peter and I are not insecure. So (laughs) if you don't text us, that's that's fine. But, you know, Uh, another thing that Jerry said, which I I really loved, it stuck with me, was the whole idea that so many people in the Bible could easily show up in a recovery room. Um, And, you know, just this whole idea that if you are born again, uh, you are in recovery because you once lived a different life. And it's uh, just yeah. good to know that you, your mind's been transformed. God has made you new, but by the renewing of your mind, you have to do it every day. Yeah, it was <laughs> I, for no other reason to go back through and listen. And there's a lot of reasons to do that. But I, I want to say it was in the last 15 minute segment with uh, Jerry when he just and it seemed like Bill, off the top of his head, he he just rattled off like fifteen or twenty biblical <laughs> characters, and and he gave them characteristics that really showed that they should be in some sort of recovery group <laughs> or rehab group. I was just amazed. I sat there going, "That was one of my favorite, maybe a minute and a half of radio I've ever heard." So well, just, really worth going catching that. Just so you know, I've got some of them written down, and I will give them to you right now. Hi, my name is Noah. I'm a drunk. <laughs> Hi, <laughs> that was I'm, a great start. Hi, I'm Abraham. I'm a liar and a coward. And I would rather lie and put my my wife, her life at risk than than myself. You know, hi, I'm Isaac and Rebecca. We're very dysfunctional parents. Hi, I'm Jacob. I'm a cheater and a scoundrel. Hi, I'm Aaron. I'm a leader, but I cave into pressure. Hi, I'm Miriam. I'm terribly jealous of my little brother Moses. And I'm racist (laughs) and upset about the fact of his interracial marriage. That's amazing. Yeah. I'm Moses. I'm a hothead and a murderer. Uh, My name's Rahab. I'm a prostitute. Uh, Samson, I struggle with lust. David, I'm an adulterer and a murderer. Solomon, I'm wise, but I'm extremely moody. (laughs) (laughs) Elijah, I suffer with depression. Thomas, I struggle with doubt. Uh, Peter, I let my friend down when he needed me the most. And Paul, I'm a Christian killer and really hard to work with. Yeah, I just, but he did that all off the top of his head. Oh, of course head, he did. It. it was, it was just remarkable <laughs> to listen I'd, to him. Do I'd it say all. he's it done fabulous. that before, but you know, I think so too. Yeah. It was yeah. great though. Yeah, yeah. Great stuff. And then the uh, consummate storyteller, Becky Pippert, who has written a number of really great books and uh, the out of the salt shaker and how important it is to be salt and light in the world. I tell you her style uh, of sharing Christ and, and uh, her desire to just listen to people and ask questions was just skillful. 
It was one of my very favorite things about that particular episode was that we would come back from a break and you or me would ask her a question. <laughs> and by the time she was done with with these incredible stories, we'd go back to break. I mean, you and I literally did not talk yeah. the entire hour, but her stories were mesmerizing. And she kind of would remind herself of a different story. She'd get done with one story and then say, oh, that reminds me of another story. And they were all 100 percent worth listening to. Just I, I was so captivated by her ability to have real life stories that actually were real life people engaging with us. And some of them, there was one, if I remember correctly, about somebody who died not too long after uh, accepting the gift of salvation. Mm -hmm. And it was just riveting stuff. So, And yet she was so simple in how she would approach things. Do you remember her talking about when she was living in London and she went and got her hair done and she had gone to this uh, guy to get her hair done for years? And uh, she walked in and said, all right, something's going, something's wrong with you today. And the guy kind of said, you're the first person who's asked me all day. Yeah, there was, she was such a great example of somebody who simply is living out the gospel, not necessarily somebody who's looking for opportunities to share the gospel, though clearly she is that. But because she was just somebody that seemed to be living out the gospel, then these stories just almost came up organically in her life. And and she, back to what we said before the break at one point, she sort of knew through God's wisdom, how what to do and, and how to handle certain circumstances simply by being present to people. And that example of the hairdresser, who I believe was gay as well, and mm-hmm. somebody that you know some people may not uh, say that should be associated with, she sat in the chair and she ministered to this person in this profound way, believing that the light that was within her and the, and the strength that was within her was greater than anything going on in this world. And it was a really profound story. Yeah. And then she also had an encounter with a, an kind of a intellectual atheist on an airplane. And the minute she brought up God, he kind of uh, shut her down. Yet she was able to artfully keep the conversation going. It's so encouraging, isn't it? It it really was, because I think the atheist would have just caused me to clam up in that moment. So for her to just uh, to be able to continue to engage and the way she did was really intriguing. And again, she just had an ability to read people and, and go with whoever they were, as opposed to some package thing she was sharing, she really did have an ability to to share the gospel according to the context that she was in. Yeah, she was delightful, and uh, her stories just went on and on. She was great. And then uh, one of our personal favorites, and I think one of yours that stood out more than others, was J. Warner Wallace, uh, the coldcasechristianity.com, the former homicide detective. (laughs) Yeah. That guy's pretty cool. (laughs) He was fabulous. There was so much to like about about him, specifically that he really detailed out uh, the purpose and function of the resurrection as it relates to our salvation. And that's something I don't think we talk about that often is we, we do talk often as we as we should about the propitiation or the idea that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. But if that's the end of the story, then the story doesn't have the the fullness of the hope. The salvation isn't fully enacted in that moment. Uh, Ultimately, we need to be delivered from all of the effects of sin and death. And and Jesus conquering death, coming to new life, gave us a glimpse of the future that awaits us all, all, as we've been sown imperishable in the language of the biblical text. We will are sown perishable. We will be raised imperishable. And Warner Wallace uh, both described the importance of that but then he also, through his detective work, he, he laid out the evidence for it. And, and I, he got done, Bill. And I said, 
there is no chance the resurrection couldn't have happened. I mean, of course it happened by of the time he happened. was done going through the evidence, yeah. right? It was it was fabulous to listen to. Yeah, it was really powerful. And of course, Jim came from a Mormon family, and he's got um, a dad who's an atheist, and most of his family are still Mormons. And it's just kind of interesting to think that a guy like Jim Wallace, who is as big in, in Christianity apologetics as he is, still has an, you know, mostly an unsaved family. Yeah. Yeah. That was, there was so much in his background that was compelling, both what you just described and then the length of time he spent as a homicide detective. And I know that he had a, a whole Dateline NBC episode featured uh, about his work that he did. And, and that was so amazing. And then <laughs> I think some of my favorite moments is when you were texting me the next day saying, basically, we should hang up radio and become detectives. We were, <laughs> you're so inspired by the detective work. It was fabulous. Well, don't think I didn't go online shopping for badges. You know, novelty badge. I have, and I've found a good one, actually. Well, people respect, if you walk in with a badge, detective badge, right? I mean, mean, you know, yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, it's on the belt, you know. Was there anything in particular that struck you uh, in the series? Because I've got one thing that really stood out for me. Uh, Maybe you've got one, and I'll go first if you want to buy some time. One of the things that I was reminded of, and this was important for me, is to realize you don't have to lay out A to Z in one encounter with somebody. Mm. Uh, you know, there's, you might be a seed that gets planted. You might be an encouragement in this person's uh, journey, but you don't always have to say, uh, I met you. Here's the full gospel. Do you want to come to uh, make a decision right now? I mean, you know, it's, that's a perfect world and it does happen, but sometimes you just have to realize you just have to love people, plant seeds and tell them the truth. I remember that too, Bill. That was really encouraging. Um, I, I don't want that ever to be a cop-out for me to then not do it, right? But at the same time, it was a, an, an incredible gift of just taking the pressure off to know that God cares far more about their salvation than I ever might in a given moment and, and to be a vessel in whatever way is appropriate. Yeah, that that was definitely one of the things that stuck out to me. I, I think a, another thing uh, came from David Clark, who was a guest that we didn't uh, mention yet, but I remember he said at the beginning a phrase that I've used uh, since that time, uh, both in my classes and in other conversations. He said, we just, we have to be careful to not have a thin view of salvation. That as we talk about the gospel and and the really good news, that our eternal future is secure, that that we are simply passing through this world. And uh, it's a world that is not our home. And it's, it's a very short life that we live here. Uh, that there is the wonder of that good news of waiting for us on the other side. But then he encouraged us to not just have a thin view, meaning not just reduce salvation down to that, uh, that, that, that idea of delivering and rescuing and bringing wholeness, that it, that it actually is an act of power in our life and in our relationships and uh, in the world around us. And it doesn't mean that everything will be fully restored on this side of heaven before our King returns again, but it does mean that we can get a glimpse of the future restoration that awaits us in our present time, as we do experience God's salvation in our lives uh, in real time and space, that kind of experience actually gives us hope then and a taste of our future when, when the bridegroom does return to gather up his bride. And, and so that thin view to say, wait a second, there's more at stake here than just getting into heaven when I die, though, of course, that is you know part of the, the wonderful promise. But that activity of salvation can be present even now as we speak. And that stuck with me quite a bit since he said that. Mm-hmm. And it's just an encouragement to, to think that you are maybe just bringing a cup of cold water to somebody. You don't have to serve the full meal. You know, you just right. 
have to offer what you can. And if that is going to encourage you to have more conversations versus less, because you don't know how God's going to use you in the midst of this discussion with somebody, all you do, all you want to do is start the conversation and not feel mm-hmm. the obligation that you have to present everything at once. Yeah, I, you know, I think about the characters in Scripture, and especially in the book of Acts, when, when Jesus gives them the ministry of reconciliation, right, and says, go therefore and and you will be my witnesses into Judea and Samaria and even to the ends of the earth, that how often it was that simply by the activity of the apostles and disciples and the followers of Jesus in their in their everyday lives, people were compelled to ask questions and to wonder and to say, what is different about you? I, I, one of the most compelling verses to me in the book of Acts is early on, it says that they're winning the favor of all the people uh, because of their way of life. And and in that, when, when you're simply just living life as a disciple uh, and a follower of Jesus, somebody who, who has turned and, and become saved, I think you're going to have the opportunities in a variety of ways to just talk about your faith and talk about Jesus and talk about the kingdom and whatever language it is. And, and to your point, Bill, it doesn't have to be, gosh, I better share the entire thing right now because mm-hmm. it's all dependent upon me. And that was such an encouragement. Yeah, I, I agree. All right, Peter, I'm going to take a short break. I've got a, a an interesting letter that's uh, come in, and we'll discuss that when we come back. And then we'll also talk about the series that we've got on our hearts to do uh, next. And I, I love this deep dive. I think it's been a, a, a really a wonderful opportunity for you know me to grow in my faith, and I hope other listeners are doing it as well. And the entire Salvation series to this point, I think we've got organized on a webpage on uh, MyFaithRadio.com. You can just go to the afternoon show with me or just type in Salvation Series. I think it'll all pop up. Uh, Maybe give it 15 minutes. I think we double-checked on it during the show just to make sure it's going to be there for you. But it's all there, and and if you're a a binge listener, you can start binge listening right away. We'll be right back. talking salvation. Always love talking about that, and we've been doing it for, I don't know, eight or nine weeks. Got a couple more to go, and then we're going to move on to another series. Uh, Dr. Peter Kapsner is my guest. He's been co-hosting this series with me, and it's been a blast. Uh, I've learned a lot. I think, Peter, you've learned a bunch, and I hope the listeners have enjoyed it. I know uh, I've I've had a great time. Yeah, it's been a phenomenal series, and, and yes, the answer is uh, yes, I've learned a ton oh, through this series as well. It's yeah, been great. Good. All right, here's a question that has come in, and this is salvation-related, I think, um, and here it is. It's a very difficult uh, question. Uh, the listener said, I'm 28, I was baptized and accepted Jesus when I was 18. However, I've struggled with my sin of pornography since I've been in middle school, and I still struggle with it today. Because I've been unable to stop my sin, I have doubt settled in my mind of whether or not I'm saved. And because of my mm. doubt, I stopped going into pastoral ministry because of not able to stop my sin. What should I do? Wow, that is uh, uh, whew, that is I mean, a you, raw, vulnerable, beautiful question. You right? teach sexuality class here at the University of Northwestern, so you're the right guy to ask this. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, I think part of the encouragement here is um, that for the listener to just know that they're not alone in that struggle. I mean, you just said that I I teach a sexuality class and Bill, I've heard that story over and over and over and over again. In fact, 
that's that's the story that's common. The story that is uncommon is like, oh, this isn't a struggle for me at all. And and so that doesn't mean that uh, something is common that we shouldn't uh, fight against it. But I think part of the invitations here, and, and it's a little tough to do, you know, something a couple hours of class and a couple minutes of radio, uh, and would certainly be willing to interact with the listener outside the uh, off the air. But some of the things I think we've even talked about to just take a second on a Sunday and, and in the midst of the struggle, just just rest in the grace that is offered. There is this incredible promise in Scripture that that where sin abounds, grace abounds the more. Uh, and the only reason why that grace would stop abounding is if somebody decided to harden their heart and turn away from God's kingdom. But uh, in, in the beautiful words of Dallas Willard, uh, God's redemptive resources are ever at hand. And so where our sin abounds and in this and that I'm sure that the listener feels like sin is abounding all the time. To have the the right picture of God, that grace abounds all the more, and that mercy is going to abound uh, in the midst of that, because more than anything, God would care about a person's wholeness. And uh, and what I can say, Bill, for specifically then the journey out of pornography, for anybody who has made that journey truly out of it and into freedom, it's hardly ever an overnight journey. It is, it is a struggle, and it is a it is a war for an extended period of time. Uh, I know somebody who speaks of the freedom that they've experienced from pornography, and it was a five-year journey. And part of what they learned at the end of all of it was that God was desiring an undivided heart from them, maybe even more so than the behavior. And of course, the behavior is devastating and wrong, and and I'm not in any sense advocating for it, of course, in that statement. But they learned something deeper and truer, that maybe one of the reasons why it took so long in the battle was that God was actually doing surgery on their heart the entire time without them even really knowing it. And they and they got to a place of such brokenness and weakness because of their sin and brokenness because grace kept abounding uh, in the midst of their sin, that, that that divided heart that I think so many of us live with so often really became much more undivided in that journey and that process. And so to, to stay in that struggle, uh, to recognize that viewing porn changes our very physiology uh, and changes the way we see our world. And so that's going to take some time out of it. There, there's a lot more to it. But I think at this point to recognize it's a pretty long journey out and grace will abound as you continue to turn your face towards God and his kingdom uh, and and uh, trust in Jesus and that. These are all cliches, except they're real. Yeah. Uh, the, the only time grace wouldn't abound is if you harden your heart and turn away. But but grace will meet it and, and just keep staying with it. And there is probably a, a, maybe a, even a 21 day detox period where you've just oh. got to you got to settle your brain down because your brain is so ready for another dopamine hit. It, Bill, you're so right. That's part of the physiology of it. There's there's a Christian neuroscientist, William Struthers, who does a, a great look, and he's available just through, through some YouTube videos, that talks about what viewing pornography does in the brain. It actually creates pathways, physical neural pathways in the brain that, because of the dopamine you described, continue to get reinforced and reinforced, and you become addicted from it. It's like any other addiction, and there's a physiology of it. So in the way that you have to detox from an alcohol addiction that does physiological things to you, porn does the exact same kind. It's a different neural pathway, perhaps, mm-hmm. but it does a similar impact. And so that is a starting point. You just got to you got to clear it out for for at least a month. And then you can start doing the work of the heart that begins to question, why do I even enjoy doing this to begin with? And that's where God really begins to start doing some work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do want to I do want to uh, pray. I, I want to. Uh, just take some of these concerns to the Lord. And I also just want to say to everyone who is uh, listening just today that this salvation series has been about you. It's been about uh, wanting you to come to new faith in Christ 
or rededicate yourself or say, this is a great ministry tool I can use to pass on to someone who might enjoy these guys talking. Uh, and maybe you've done that. So uh, what I want to do is, again, open up an invitation if you have not gotten right with God. If you have said, you know, I was raised in a denomination and I kind of checked all the boxes, and but I sort of lived my life the way I've wanted to. Uh, I've done it my way, and I'm understanding that I need to uh, come to a place where I recognize that without a, a personal invitation uh, and to receive God's grace, I, I'm not born again. Jesus said, marvel not when I say you must be born again. And, you know, when you are born the first time, your mother goes through a lot of uh, pain uh, to give birth to you. And the second birth uh, is Jesus went through a lot of pain and gave up his life and took your sin upon the cross. So if you are in that position today, today might be your your day of salvation. It would be uh, Wednesday, October 7th, 2020. It'd be the most significant day of your life where you would pass from death into life. You'd be going from dead in your sins to alive in Christ. And it's by receiving the gift. And what you say to God is is what you bring to him. This would be something like uh, I said, uh, or you could say, if this is what the desire of your heart is, just say, um, Heavenly Father, um, I, I can't I can't try to live this life, this Christian life alone. I, I, I can't do it. So when I end up trying to manage that, I end up struggling and it always ends in failure. Even, for example, if there is a, a sin that I'm struggling with and if I try to do it on my own, I end up failing and recycling my pain. So I, I just need you to take my life and I, I, I want you to live your life through me. And because I believe that you died on the cross, I believe uh, that you uh, went into the grave and three days later you rose from the dead. And because of that, I can have a new life. So I'm, I look at 1 John 1, 9, uh, I'm sorry for my sins, but I know if I confess my sins, you're faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. So I'm asking you now, would you please forgive me of my sins? And I, I just want to work at forgiving anyone uh, who has ever hurt me or offended me. And I just want to open the door of my my life and my heart and just receive you as, as my Savior. So I want to rely on you. I want to cling to you. I want to depend on you. And I want to give you my allegiance. I want to turn my life over to you. So thank you for giving me eternal life. And thank you for uh, making me new, a new creation in Christ. Thank you for giving me your Holy Spirit. And I pray that you will guide and direct me in the days ahead, that I'll grow to love your word, and that I will come to know you with great intimacy in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, amen. That's a beautiful invitation. Beautiful. Yep. Well, that's why we do Faith Radio. That's why we're I'm here exactly. every day. It is. Yeah. Yep. It's the gospel. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about what's uh, what we're thinking about. Oh, very excited for this. You want to be? You want to get the great reveal? You've been teasing it the whole I've been, episode. I've been, I've been teasing it, but we yeah. we have loved uh, Peter and I have loved the deep dive on salvation, and we want to uh, shift our focus in starting in a couple of weeks to a deep dive 
on prayer. Oh, love it. I, you know, when you brought up that, that topic, Bill, I started uh, Googling different verses on prayer and figuring out which verses I didn't really understand about prayer. And at last count, I'm at a bazillion, I think, right now. <laughs> and so, I mean, there's so many verses. I really, I can't wait to ask somebody about what it really means to pray without ceasing, for example, or you know, pray for one another that uh, a righteous person has great power that it would heal somebody or uh, the idea of going to pray in secret. Like there's just so many passages that was kind of just off the top of Google's head in terms of what's all out there to talk about related to prayer. So, well, and Jesus calls us to be intimate with him and that's through prayer. And, you know, I want to talk about all that the Bible teaches or as much as, you know, the experts that we bring on as well. And I know you're an expert, I'm just a great student of the Word, but um, it'll be really fun to hear in depth uh, what we can learn from some great theologians and apologists, and because uh, we need to take prayer more seriously than anything in our lives. We do. I think what, I, what I'm really looking forward to and hoping for in a series like this is that it, there can be a, a depth and a, and a richness that gets added to my prayer life uh, of that intimacy that you described, Bill, because too often I turn to God in prayer only when I'm looking for discernment or wisdom about something, um, possibly some needs in life. And, and yet I think there's a much deeper uh, and more profound invitation in all of this. Yeah, so true. I'm looking forward to it, Peter. It's been a great ride so far. Thank you for uh, co-hosting on the Salvation Series. I've loved it. I'm getting some nice comments from some uh, listeners who have also enjoyed the Salvation Series and have learned a lot. So uh, I think we're all in this together. It's been great. Yeah, it's just been an incredible gift to be a part of it all. And yeah. and again, to hear all these different experts on these topics, I mean, I just, I, I look forward to Wednesday every week this way. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to tapping into some of our Salvation guests for the prayer series as well. Sure. Yeah, yeah well, and I, you know, any of those names that we've already kind of had a, a chance to go through, any one of them I know has written and talked about. And we got to get Craig Keener one more time, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Guy, I'm sure he can just say, yeah. blow open the box on our understanding We've got, prayer, we've got so. two more uh, guests to speak on Salvation, uh, our Danish theologian. Um, and then also David Wheaton has said yes to it. So that'll be, uh, that'll be fun it. to do that. We'll get, jump right into prayer. Peter, have a great night. Yeah, you too, Bill. Thanks so much. Yep, thanks so much. And thanks for listening to the show today. I've loved having you with me, and I hope you have a great evening. Um, and I'll see you tomorrow. Good night. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.